Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what has already happened this morning. God, your spirit has been so tender and so sweet. And Lord, as we continue to embrace what it means to follow your way, God, I just ask that you meet with each of us exactly as we need. Lord, I just pray for clear minds and just a posture um, of listening and following what it is that you have for us today, this week, and this season. We praise you, we love you, and we welcome you here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, many of you might know this, but for those of you who don't, I, by profession, am a teacher, and my discipline is English. So what do I do besides teach high schoolers, which that, that's a whole nother sermon. Um, but what do I teach? What do I focus on? I focus on words, right? When you boil it down, that's really what I do. I study words. Words matter to me. They mostly matter to my students, um, but words, they matter, right? And I'm fascinated by words, and I'm fascinated by the underlying meaning of it, what a word could mean just based on the context of how it's used. Now, when you don't know what a word means, you might go to a dictionary, right? And in that dictionary, you would find the definition, the literal definition of what the word means, um, the denotation of that word, right? But many words, like nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs, the list continues, they also have this emotional side, this connotation, okay? So to completely understand how to use a word, you need to know the literal definition, the denotation, and you need to know the emotional side of it, the connotation, right? I bet you didn't think you were getting an English lesson this morning, huh? Hold on tight. Uh, so let me give you an example. So the word group, right? The group, by definition, means a number of people. It's kind of a neutral connotation, right? Neither positive nor negative. Just kidding, river groups, that's positive, right? We're excited about river groups, but just work with me here for this illustration. A group means a number of people, okay? But if I were to say to you, a click, okay, you might have a very different experience of what that word means. Like for me, instantly, I go plastics, mean girls. Anybody else? Anybody else think of that, right? Yeah, it's usually a number of people, but people who exclude others, negative connotation. What about club? When you think of club, it's, it's pretty positive, right? People joining together for a common cause or a common passion, right? Okay, so words and their connotation matter. Well, we've been exploring this Way of Jesus series, and we're talking about how Jesus has lived so that we might have this better understanding of how we can live, what we can glean from how he lived his life. And today, we're going to look at the way of surrender. So look at that word, surrender. Now, by definition, and if we can move to that next slide, Caleb, thank you. By definition, surrender actually means to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. To give in, to back down, cave in. To give your power 
over to another. So by its connotation, by its emotional meaning, surrender sounds hopeless. Sounds like defeat. Sounds helpless. It's like a loss. But remember when I told you that words can mean different things in different contexts? So we have a word here that the world deems full of loss, a sense of giving up. But today, we are going to explore that by following Jesus' way, the meaning of this word has far more positive implications. One of hope and joy and victory. Surrender is a beautiful example of how a word can matter, how it can be life-changing. It could foster growth, and it can be victorious. Now, truthfully, when I think of this word surrender, the immediate emotion that I have is fear. Because, truthfully, while the context of this word can change given on, you know, depending on how it's used, the reality is that surrender still means to give unto another. So from a cultural perspective, especially in the Northeast, we're taught to win. We are taught to pursue greatness. Don't back down. Don't give in. Charge the enemy. Never accept weakness. Fight, right? Culturally, surrender is admitting weakness. Now, in my controlling and recovering perfectionist ways, this seems downright terrifying. What am I giving up? Why do I have to give anything up? Uh, how will this affect me? Is this really the best way? Now, I'm not verbally asking these questions, but oh man, my heart and my actions, they surely convey that I believe that. So, Jesus, what do you mean? What does it mean to surrender? What is this way of surrender? How did you teach us how to surrender? If we can go to the next slide. So when you consider the mission of Jesus, okay, and his purpose, he was to proclaim the good news. He was the good news. But in doing so, though, he was called, directed to surrender. Look at the actions of his life. He's surrendering his place in heaven to come to earth as a human, losing his ability to be with his father for us. He's surrendering his reign as he humbly submits to his earthly parents. Self-surrender mark his baptism, his temptation, his ability to engage in the will of his father. And I think the most important example, he emptied himself, surrendered himself by dying a most gruesome death on the cross so that we may be saved. Powerful moments in Jesus' life repeatedly marked his surrender. And in his practicing of surrender, we get this picture. I mean, it's incredible humility. That's the best word I can think of, humility. And what strikes me most about the truth and what stands out about Jesus' way of surrender, it was never a loss of personality it was never anything that felt remotely like defeat in surrendering the true power, the true magnitude of who Jesus was stood out. 
When we surrender, we don't give up our true selves. In truth, we find our true selves. So what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? Jesus has modeled this through his life, but he's calling us to do it as well. So if you follow along with me, I want to look today at a passage in Matthew that I think illustrates what Jesus is calling us to do and how we can surrender. If you have your Bibles with you or your apps, I'm going to have the verse up here. But turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. So let's take a look. Let's consider this idea of surrender. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So we get this striking visual image where Jesus is calling his disciples to take up their cross and to follow him. And I think to consider the significance of that image, we have to understand what it means at that time to bear your cross. And obviously there's pretty strong concrete evidence of that. Jesus, during his crucifixion, had to literally carry his execution device. He had to carry his cross. And along the way, he was beaten and he was ridiculed. And in this teaching, Jesus is asking his disciples to bear their cross and follow him. What is he referring to here? What is he referring to when he's asking his disciples to do that? Jesus is not asking his disciples to carry a literal cross. He's asking them to bear an emotional cross. Following Christ is not easy. The disciples, they learn that pretty quickly on. Jesus never pretended that it would be any different. He clearly teaches that life in this world is difficult, but the greater picture is an eternal life with God. I'm going to say that one more time for the back. <laughs> the greater picture is an eternal life with God. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Bearing our cross means dying to ourselves. The selfish, the flawed, the false self, the sinful self that we continually live in on our own accord. Christ is calling us to bear the burden of following him regardless of the difficulty. He's asking us to drop our false selves and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to move in us. You know, truthfully, it's easy to follow Christ when things are going well, but that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to live in the comfort of this world. And when I think about surrender, I think of this responsibility, this responsibility that I have as a believer to drop the perfectionism, to drop the control, the my way or no way of thinking, and consider the magnitude of what it is that he's calling me into. 
Because honestly, look at these verses. Um, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? This is a hard, hard word. But I think it's crucial that we look at this together. And before I kind of get into this next part, I need you to know, um, truthfully, that this is very difficult for me to share. It's very hard because I'm not standing here as an expert on this idea of surrender. Uh, If anything, I've continuously found myself failing in it. And so that's why I guess I feel like I can speak to you about it, because I know how difficult it is. The hard thing is that we're still called to do it. Um, I definitely attempt to do things my way, but I look at this verse, and then I'm blown away by this idea of, okay, so what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? I mean, think about the power in that. My soul is potentially at stake if all my focus is on earthly, materialistic emphasis. There's nothing more valuable than the human soul. There's nothing. So to compromise that for prestige or power or fame or money, none of that matters if it means compromising that relationship with Christ. This is active, intentional surrendering, none of this can or should be passive. If I'm to seek first his kingdom, if my heart is to seek first his kingdom, surrendering has to be part of it. Um, A couple of years ago, my family and I experienced a season of deep loss. Uh, Loss of a beloved family member, loss of community, loss of opportunity. It just seemed like we kept facing loss after loss after loss. And I was angry. I was hurt. I was bitter. uh, I was depressed. And above all, I was anxious. Um, I hadn't struggled with anxiety prior to that. Um, But what had started to happen was my anxiety began to manifest in these panic attacks where I would leave here, I would leave church, and I would go home, and I would fall to the floor. And it felt like I couldn't breathe. It felt like I was having these heart attacks. And so I knew I had to seek help. Um, so I sought after counseling. And in my time of healing, I would cry out in my bitterness, in my rage, in my anger. By the way, he can handle it. He can take it. So if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling that anger, if you're feeling that heaviness... Don't shy away from that. He can take it. Um, So I was praying these prayers, and in my anger, in my frustration, and it was something along the lines of this. Lord, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how to help myself. I'm giving this to you. I know my situation may not change, but I need you here. And so I would pray variations of this prayer daily, and Again, being transparent, in the beginning, it felt a lot like lip service. It felt like I was just saying it, not really meaning it. But what started to happen was the more that I began to say it, the more I began to realize that in saying it, I'm not giving my plan, I'm not giving my demands, I'm not trying to control God, I'm not trying to fix things that can't be fixed, 
I realize, okay, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you. I'm giving all of this to you. And it wasn't a prayer of control. It wasn't a prayer of perfectionism. It wasn't a prayer of, God, you need to fix this and you need to fix this now. It was a prayer of humility. And what started to happen was the more that I spoke that prayer, the more the Lord began to meet me. And he began to meet me in such an intimate way that I saw his face. He was speaking these affirmations over me. He was speaking this love over me. And so rather than saying, okay, Lord, like, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to fix me? I started saying, Lord, how are you going to use this for your glory? How are you going to use me and what just happened and what I'm going through for your glory? And so I wasn't suggesting ideas anymore. I wasn't controlling. I wasn't trying to be the perfect person. But what I was doing was I was admitting my issues of control. I was admitting that the only thing I could do in all of this was to seek his strength. And it was in his strength where I found peace. He was reworking my understanding of him, and he was reworking my understanding of my identity in him. Too often, I think we're taught, um, especially little girls, be strong, make your way in the world, you know, fight for the top, don't let anybody push you down or push you around. And really listening to this, this teaching, um, what he's calling us to is kind of totally counter to those worldly encouragements. He is asking us to surrender. And while that might be extremely difficult, what's not um, hard to understand is the reward. The reward is clear. Um, if you can go to that next slide. There you go. 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. I could have a conversation today with every single person present here. And the issues and the struggles and the challenges, they'll vary. Depression, maybe some of you struggle with that anxiety. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's addiction. Um, I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what you're working through right now. But what I think is most important to realize and to recognize in all of this is that it might not be solved right away. Look, can God heal you and deliver you from what it is that you're going to in a minute? Of course he can. Absolutely. I've seen it. But what I realize is that in these moments of, like, my deepest, darkest season, in my surrendering of my situation, in my surrendering of this pain, that was when I saw the face of Jesus. When I was going through this time where I was struggling, I, I remember praying, and I, I shared this actually at the launch party of the river, with the river women, and I, you know, as I said, he was reworking my understanding of him, and he was reworking my understand, understanding of identity, and I asked the question, I said, so Lord, like, who am I? What does it mean? What is my identity? And it was in the, the most clear voice I think I've ever heard 
of God speaking to me. Because he usually doesn't speak with an audible voice um, when I'm hearing from him. But he said, it starts with my love for you. And he said that, and it was like, oh, like the heavens opened up. It starts with my love for you. And that was it. That was all that I needed to hear. It wasn't an answer on, hey, I'm going to fix your anxiety tomorrow. Or you'll never have a panic attack. Or you'll never feel depressed. All he did was he spoke that affirmation of love over me. And so as I continued to surrender it, he continued to share that love. And truthfully, there is nothing in me that would willingly ask for anxiety. And if I'm honest, I'm not completely healed of it. But what I do know is that in times in my life where things are seemingly going well, where things seem to be going as I think they should, I wouldn't surrender. And that's hard to admit before you. But honestly, my control, my perfectionism, it wouldn't even allow me to see a need for surrender. So it was almost like this time of darkness, this time where I was really struggling, it enabled me the opportunity to see the gift that is surrendering. It was this time where I realized how much I needed my Savior. I remember sharing this story just not that long ago. It was, it was last week, and um, all these kind of thoughts popped up again of how I felt during that time. And I remember I was sharing how I felt really guilty, and I felt selfish for feeling this anxiety because I thought, look at all the things I have in my life. I have an amazing job, amazing husband, two beautiful, awesome kids. Like, what does it matter with me? Pull it together. Why do you feel this way? Like, just get over it. And I thought about that, and I thought about how this negative self-talk kind of pervaded my soul. And many of you may not even realize it, but you might have that negative voice speaking those things over you. And what I realized was, this is not something to be ashamed of. I don't have to be ashamed of this struggle. It's not something that defines me. What defines me is my identity as a daughter of Christ. That's what defines me. This is something God's going to use. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But he is going to use this for his glory. And feeling this way of, of having to surrender, that doesn't make me weak. That doesn't make me any less of a believer. God is going to use this. He's going to stretch me. He's going to lavish his love on me. And because I can lean into his strength, I am victorious. Because we can lean into his strength, we can feel that peace and we can feel that victory. Surrendering doesn't have to mean defeat. Surrendering does not have to mean a loss. Surrendering is intentionally saying, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you with this. I'm not giving you a plan of what I think it should look like, but I'm trusting in who you are and who you say you are. I would contend this. How does our surrender of these issues that we deal with bring forth greater intimacy and understanding of Christ and his love for us? When Jesus calls us to surrender, he is fully aware that this is not easy. He died a gruesome death on a cross. He gets it. He understands how hard this can be. But in surrendering, instead of thinking of this word, this action as defeat, as failure, as I have to give this up and, and I have no control anymore, consider 
the value gained. I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining everything. I'm gaining eternity. And right now, I'm gaining in my relationship with Christ. In my weakness, he is strong. I am confident because of his strength. And what peace there is in knowing that I can surrender my control, my perfectionism, my past, my present, my future, my finances, my family, which, by the way, all very difficult things for me to surrender. But he is in control, and it is his strength that gives me hope. Last week, when Pastor Tim was, was speaking, and he was speaking on the way of salvation, he gave us a practical prayer to pray. And so I want to do that with surrender. And I want to tell you that I, I do believe the Holy Spirit is here, and I believe that he wants to use this. I believe he wants to meet you right where you are. And honestly, sharing this prayer, speaking these words, it may feel like lip service right now. But what I do want you to see the value of is what are the things in your life? What are the struggles? What are the issues? Who are the people that God has already started to stir up in you in this idea of surrender? So I think we have this up on the slide. Okay, so if you follow along with me, I think it's two slides. Um, I would like you, even if you don't feel ready, I would like you to join us in this. And again, if for right now, it feels like lip service, that's okay. But I want you to know that the more that we lean in, the more that we tap into this idea of surrender, the more that God is going to meet you. So Jesus, we thank you for showing us what a life filled with surrender looks like. You have shown us the way of surrender in what you did on the cross. You surrendered your life for our sins. You've called us to surrender as well. Help me, Lord, see the things I'm afraid to surrender. And through your spirit, help me put into practice this word. Loving Father, I surrender to you today with all my heart and soul. Please come into my heart in a deeper way. I say yes to you today. I open all the secret places in my heart to you and say, come on in. Jesus, you are Lord of my whole life. I surrender all to you. I release it and let it go. I surrender my understanding of how things ought to be, my choices, my will. I surrender my weaknesses and strengths to you. I surrender my emotions, my fears, my insecurities, my everything. Lord, I surrender my entire life to you, the past, the present, and the future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.